like went to protests and then some people pooped. <laughs> Two. Hey, hey, one, one. Wait, 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 wait. I'm very excited because uh, I've been working so much. I have no idea what's been going on in the world whatsoever. Um, I'm working three jobs. I'm doing a coffee shop, uh, late night ghost tours, and stand-up comedy. Most of these are like, you know, historic headlines. So it would be like from years past. But Oh, great. I love a fun history fact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an edition of This Week in History. Today, I'm joined by Melly Kazel. And she has not heard these stories before, so Melly will be asking questions along the way and helping me tell these tales to their fullest comedic effect. This week in history. September 17, 1787, at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, delegates from 12 states voted unanimously to approve the proposed U.S. Constitution. We covered this in our upcoming Fort Mose episode. What do you think about the Founding Fathers? Okay. Here's the thing. A lot of people say they made a lot of laws that, you know, now don't apply. But we have to remember back then they didn't have clean drinking water. So everybody's drinking all the time. Like most people who wrote the laws that we have now were completely drunk. So I feel like us looking at them sober, that's what we got to remember is they were plastered out of their minds. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're the most sober generation. <laughs> we're looking at things going, I feel like maybe there's a better way to do that. Do you drink when you work when you're doing the comedy hosting? Oh, no, I can't. I become like middle school boy humor when I'm drinking. And so it's not funny on the stage at all. No, I'm one of the few comedians and everyone always goes, how can you even get up there without a drink? And I, I'm very nervous every time. That's how. Because <laughs> I always feel like I'm going to vomit until I have the microphone. <laughs> September 17th, 1849. American Harriet Tubman escaped from the southern plantation where she was enslaved and later led many enslaved people to freedom along the Underground Railroad. Born in 1820, Tubman used her freedom to aid the American enslaved population and free as many as she could. Tubman became the leading abolitionist in pre-Civil War America. She died in 1913 in Auburn, New York. I never knew when she escaped to go start doing all that and helping people. Twenty was when she was born and she escaped in 1849. She was 29 years old. That's incredible. Yeah, all, all before the Civil War, yeah. Hmm. You know, there are a lot of people now who think it's like, I'll ask people my age and they think it's an actual railroad. The Underground Railroad. And I, I, I'm like, what history teacher did you have? Like they're picturing just like this hidden train under the ground that nobody can hear, that everybody's piling in and going across the country. Tunnels. September 17th, 1862. The bloodiest day in U.S. military history occurred as General Robert E. Lee and the Confederate armies were stopped at Antietam, Maryland, by General George B. McClellan and the larger Union forces. By nightfall, 26,000 men were dead, wounded, or missing. And women, presumably, too. They just say mm -hmm. men, but... And children, uh, because a lot of children were on the battlefield to be drummer boys, and then there would mm. be... Uh, you know, the medical tents and that sort of thing where a lot of um, um, women uh, worked. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course, there were also women on the battlefield uh, dressed up as men and and or, you know, um, just openly serving. But uh, you must get a lot of uh, Civil War references being from South Carolina, right? Isn't that pretty? Yeah, people talk about it. It's not like as alive as people say it is like when you move here people aren't always like the civil war but it is like people do talk about it um but actually a fun fact about there are a lot of local ghost stories about kids 
where they don't know like where the ghost kids came from or different stuff, but it's theorized that it's from a lot of those battles mm. that like these haunting tales are from kids that nobody ever really knew who they were, who were just lost in these battles during the Civil War. Yeah. And now people report like seeing their ghosts different places around town. Like there's one hotel that's so haunted that like people say like anytime they try to ride the elevator, they'll hear little kids. September 17th, 1908. The first fatality involving powered flight occurred as a biplane piloted by Orville Wright fell from a height mm-hmm. of 75 feet, not that high, but high enough, killing Lieutenant Thomas E. Selfridge, uh, Orville's 26-year-old passenger. A crowd of nearly 2,000 spectators at Fort Myer, Virginia, observed the crash of the plane, which was being tested for possible military use. Wright himself was seriously injured. Can you imagine being one of the first people to test one of those planes? Like your buddy just comes up and he said, listen, I think it's going to fly, but I'm not sure. Get in and let's see what happens. Like I can't, I can't, I would, absolutely not. I can't imagine doing that. I would be fine watching it. Do you have a fear of flying? I have a fear of flying if they're not confident the plane is going to stay in the air. (laughs) And like skydiving would never in a million years. I prefer just 100% being sure I'm going to continue living. That's my preference. But would you do it? Would you get in the plane to test it? No, not a test flight. Absolutely not. Mm. I'll do the middle, the middle of of the arch, not at the beginning and not at the end when it's like all rickety and it's like at the end of its life, like, you know, in the prime. Oh, okay. Not the first and not the last. You don't want to be the last, right? Yeah, because the last person means that plane's not flying anymore, so. Or that's how it ended. <laughs> yeah. But 2,000 people were on the beach and watched this thing. That must have been quite the like gasp, right? Because 75 feet and then it plunged in some way and, and crashed, uh, you know, with enough force to kill the guy. I, I know. I can't imagine seeing that. And I can't imagine the crowd because they probably started off like cheering really loud. You know, they're like, yes, it's amazing. And then it just turns to like, oh, 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 no. Oh, my gosh. It's great. You know? Yeah, and there's a few people in the back who just didn't quite get it. They can't quite see that. It, so they're still cheering. Like, yeah. All right. Well, we have one more disaster. September 19th, 1985. Earthquakes in Mexico City killed an estimated 5,000 people to 20,000. Holy cow. 5,000 to 20,000 people and left more than 100,000 without homes causing $4 billion in damage. The quakes registered 8.1 and 7.5 on the Richter scale. Wow. 1985. Um, there was a huge earthquake in uh, Morocco. Big earthquake and uh, even more devastating. There's floods this week in Libya um, that have killed thousands and thousands of people. Weather, September and weather, it's not good. I can't imagine being in a natural disaster like that. It would be so terrifying. I've never experienced that in my life, and I can't even imagine, like, the fear. And also, it makes me curious, like, do those earthquake drills from school work, or are they just trying to make you feel comfortable? You know, because I feel like a child-sized death (laughs) is not the best place to be during an earthquake. No, not an 8.1, I wouldn't think. Um, But I haven't been in a really bad one. I've heard, like, some, my uncle lives in California, and he's seen described some where it looks like the floor is rippling september 19th 1994 u.s troops invade haiti 
with the stated goal of restoring democracy, in air quotes. Yeah, this is interesting because we invaded Haiti, we invaded Grenada about 10 years before that. Obviously, in 91, we invade Kuwait. And uh, we always say, like, to spread democracy. And then as soon as democracy is not making us money, we're like, okay, never mind. We don't like democracy. We want profit. Democracy and bullet seems to be uh, interchangeable. And the amount of places, too, has always cracked me up. My dad always said this to me as a kid. He was like, we go places where people tell us we don't want you we can figure it out ourselves and we're like no you need us you know it's like when your mom comes into your house and rearranges all your furniture and you're like i don't i don't want that just just come and be nice and hang out but you don't need to intervene (laughs) to be clear my mom's never done that she'd be very mad if everyone (laughs) thought that she did she would never in a million years september 20th 1873 The New York Stock Exchange was forced to close for the first time in its history as a result of a banking crisis during the Financial Panic of 1873. In Britain, the panic started two decades of stagnation known as the Long Depression. In the United States, the panic was known as the Great Depression until the Great Depression of the 1930s. American inflation, these are some of the causes that they think. American inflation, rampant speculative investments... Uh, largely in railroads. And so 1873, so this would have been kind of at the end of the railroad building, so maybe people weren't making their money as much or something. German silver goes down, uh, and uh, there's a war, Franco-Prussian War, property losses, oh, and the Great Chicago and Great Boston Fire, interesting, helped place a massive strain on bank reserves which in New York City plummeted from $50 million to $17 million in one month in 1873. I actually used to write, well, I used to edit and fact check for a financial magazine. Oh, really? Which is so boring. <laughs> it's, I will not say the name of the magazine because they'd be so mad. Does it start also, with an what F? I've learned is I can't give any details. Let's start like with it an E. So much wink, wink once but, if it's the economist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I also learned is don't, take financial advice from articles on the internet. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do it. I was fact checking ones that were already online. Don't do it. I try to follow stuff. It just feels like constantly nowadays people are going, it's going to crash. It's going to be a depression. And then it doesn't happen. It's like with the big earthquake, like they're like, it's coming and it's not hitting and everyone's just stressed out about when it's going to happen. Do you follow? No, no. So you enjoy being happy. September 20th, 1973, the much-hyped Battle of the Sexes took place in the Houston Astrodome as tennis player and women's rights activist Billie Jean King defeated self-styled male chauvinist, that's what he called himself, Bobby Riggs in three straight sets. Riggs, a retired tennis champion, had been critical of the women's equality movement or and, and the quality of women's tennis in general. Did you see the movie? No. Oh, it's so good. That has to be amazing, though. I can't imagine, like, after all that, right? And then she wins. Oh, had to be an incredible feeling. And for him, he probably had to go change his name after that on there. So many male athletes have this weird thing where it's like they have to be better than the female counterparts. I mean, it happens in all the sports, but it really happens in tennis a lot for some reason. Maybe because it's a little bit of like a fancy, you know, it's like. It's not a contact sport. Let's put it that way. September 21st, 1823. Joseph Smith's vision of Moroni. According to the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Moroni was an angel who appeared to Joseph Smith on this day in 1823. 
and instructed him to restore God's church on earth. Thoughts on Mormons? Oh, it's the the Mormon church. Yeah, yeah, this is Joseph Smith. Oh. This is the this is the inception of everything. This is later he's looking into the hat to see the golden tablets. Do you know much about this? I don't really. I I barely know about being Jewish. <laughs> They don't like to be called Mormon, by the way. I also didn't know any of the stories. They just invited me to the dance parties at the church. And they were like, you're chill. Yeah, I went to the dance parties too. It's very welcoming. It's like, I've been invited to many different things. And they always at the end were like, you're Jewish, you're going to hell. But the Mormons were like, no, just come party with us. Have fun. Listen to our stories. It was a blast. Yeah, they're usually pretty chill as compared to Christians. Mormons didn't kill as much. It was mostly... Um, child marriage. I can't imagine, though, having, like, child marriage as part of religion. Like, I'm 24 years old, and I'm not even ready to get married. Like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> That's what my dad always told me. He said, listen, the books were written a long time ago. It's reasonable that they should be updated. Second edition, you know. September 22, 1995. The first episode of Friends aired on NBC, and the show became one of the most popular sitcoms in the United States. That's so cool. Oh, I love Friends. Oh my goodness. Who's your favorite character? My favorite character was Ross. Why? That is the worst character you could have picked. That is just... <laughs> Who's yours? Chandler. Chandler would be my second. You know, I like a comic relief guy. I mean, Ross was comic relief in his own way. He honestly got himself into funny or awkward situations, whereas Chandler was a little bit more of the Kramer of the bunch. And if I feel like Ross unexpectedly walked into it and that... It, appealed to me a little more. We're going to sound so old. Like I always think like one day when I have kids and I go, I watch stuff on television with commercials. Friends is going to be I Love Lucy. Grandma, we got to watch the Friends tapes again. You're going to be defensive of it. It's funny. It was funny then. September 22nd, 1692. In what was to be the last executions during the Salem witch trials, eight people were hanged. Which one was this? Because I am very fascinated by the Salem witch trials. Was this the actually up in Salem, like with, um, because I know there was a collection of three sisters. There was like Rebecca and I believe Catherine. And I forget the third sister's name who were all like part of the same family who the first two were hung. And then the third sister escaped and spent her entire life trying to avenge her other two sisters and prove that they weren't witches. I always wonder, like, if witches existed, I just feel like they wouldn't get caught. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I feel like the last thing you'd want to do is aggravate the people with magic. Like, that's the worst path you could go down. September 22nd, 1862. President Abraham Lincoln issued a preliminary emancipation proclamation freeing enslaved people in the territories held by the Confederates as of January 1st, 1863. And nothing happened. It was in the middle of the war, and, mm. uh, you know, he issued the proclamation, which was just that, a proclamation, and then he was telling the Confederates who he was actively fighting that they needed to release everybody, and, like, you know, of course they didn't do it immediately just because Abraham Lincoln wrote a piece of paper in Washington, D.C. Oh, my gosh. It is very interesting, though. Back then, like, it was very much, they'd write a piece of paper, and everyone would be like, okay. What are you going to do? I feel like nowadays that the piece of paper weirdly holds a lot more power than like back then. I feel like, yeah, except for maybe within the last few years. I mean, look at what happened on January 6th. 
you know, that's the biggest piece of paper of all, you know, the one that says who's president. And people were basically like, I'll use that as toilet paper. Thank you. In regards to this Emancipation Proclamation and enforcing things, uh, that's what Juneteenth is, is that the celebration of when everyone was truly, quote unquote, freed from slavery uh, years after the end of the Civil War, they had to send troops all the way to Texas because Texas was like, we're far enough away from everything that's going on. Just keep doing it. Like, what are they going to do? Come walk all the way out here? <laughs> it's too far away. And and it did work for several years. It was too far away. <laughs> Piece of paper does it sometimes. And other times, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do. We'll fix democracy on another podcast. <laughs> September 22nd, 1996. Ooh, recent one. Australian Bob Dent, a cancer victim, became the first person to commit <laughs> to commit legal assist legally assisted suicide via a lethal injection under a voluntary euthanasia law. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this is not like a funny take. I do think <laughs> that people should have their own freedom to pick what they, you know, yeah. at the end of their life. Sure. If they're in that much discomfort, I feel like people should have the freedom to do that if they're of sound mind. But I also know my mom used to work at like hospice end of life because she thought it'd be nice to help people. And she was like, no, this is too sad. I'd rather everybody be alive. <laughs> I also can't imagine like being the doctor. Like I just... Oh, you know, I can't like I can't even handle in my life when we've taken my pets to the vet for their last day. And then you have like your uncle who's like, this is what I just, <laughs> so it's difficult, you know, because like in my head, I'm like, people, people should, you know, but then if it was someone I loved, I'd be like, why don't do it? <laughs> just stay forever. Could you take your uncle to the vet? I don't know. It'd be hard. Depends on which uncle. And if they're listening, they're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> Watch out. September 23rd, 1846, Neptune is first observed. This day in 1846, astronomer Johann, Johann Gottfried Gall, probably, mm. became the first person ever to observe the planet Neptune, the existence of which had been mathematically predicted by Urbane Jean Joseph Le Viver and <laughs> John Couch Adams. <laughs> John Couch Adams. Oh, that man, his furniture is his middle name. I know, like... Four, one, two, three, four, five word French name, followed by John Sit On Me Adams. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's like the one weird friend they just invited to be a part of the science. Oh, his nickname was Couch in college, you know. Oh, for sure. Everyone <laughs> was chanting Couch as he was like chugging beers. Coach, 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 coach. And they're watching him making this big scientific mathematical discovery. And they're like, can you... I don't believe it. There's no way that Couch <laughs> could have figured that out i also wondered too like who who named all the planets when they went through because we have like a lot of good ones right neptune there's like a sea god neptune you know and like all the names are pretty cool and then there's uranus and i don't know who couch named it after a heavy night of drinking <laughs> september 23rd 1923 by royal decree the dual kingdom of oh dear i should have looked these up of the Hejaz and, oh boy, Najid, along with its dependencies, was unified under the name of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Mm. And then in September 11th, they sent a bunch of people to attack the Twin Tower. No, that was last week's. It's 
September 23rd. Uh, any any comments on the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia? Got any jokes? Gonna get banned in Saudi Arabia? (laughs) I don't know a lot about it. Do you want to work in Saudi Arabia ever? (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. That's where I'm headed. Uh, No, but I did have have a lot of people. Yes, but there were a lot of people I knew who had to fly on September 11th. Oh, really? And they were really like a lot of people were very nervous and were hoping. You mean after? After 2001, after just 2001. on the day. Oh, just oh, like, yeah, yeah, just on the day, like this year, and yeah. they, they were they were like all hoping their flights got canceled because they all had to get home, but nobody wanted to do it. And I yeah. can't, I I feel like I I know people have to go places, but oh, I can't imagine flying on that day anywhere. Well, tickets are cheaper. <laughs> they still they still are. No are joke. They really? Yes, still 20 years later. Tickets are still. I thought you were doing a bit. No, my brother. I mean, I've flown on 9 11. My brother just flew in on 9 11 uh, because it was cheaper than Sunday. And any other, you know, it's just generally, they. it's it's still for an average Monday or for, you know, it, it is because it's still got that psychological effect on people mm. that they can't charge full price because people, they won't sell enough tickets. Mm. Yeah, I'm with them. I'll do the red eye Sunday morning. I don't need <laughs> I don't need that energy. September twenty-third, eighteen oh six, Lewis and Clark arrive in St. Louis, Missouri, at the end of their expedition to the Pacific Northwest, exploring the recently purchased Louisiana Territory from the French. Napoleon, at war with the British, chooses to sell Louisiana Territory to the United States for fifteen million dollars the equivalent of only $337 million today. And that stretched from New Orleans, sliver through Louisiana, and then basically all of the Midwestern states up into Canada. Um, So it was a huge amount of land for less than half a billion dollars in today's money. I mean, a private person could afford (laughs) to purchase that today. Oh my um, goodness gracious! Granted, the the America would be really hard on cash in 1806, having just completed the Revolutionary War and had borrowed a bunch of money and been in debt and not been making a bunch of had 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 income really yet. So that would have been a a big purchase, a steal nonetheless. Oh, absolutely! I just knew it was the French, but I didn't know it was like Napoleon was the dude. I I also think though every time we talk about like they sold the Louisiana. Per- or all this different stuff to the United States. All I think of the people who are there who are like, what do you mean you're selling it? What if you didn't? <laughs> they still do that. The government, imminent domain, the U.S. government will come mm-hmm. on by and say, that's mine now. Thank you much. Move it on along. Mm-hmm. September 23rd, 1952. Vice presidential candidate Richard Nixon delivered his checkers speech on television and radio to address accusations of financial misdeeds some of which were gifts he had received, including the dog Checkers. You ever seen the Checkers speech? No, but what a move. It's funny how much, I mean, people always make the Trump-Nixon comparison, but I mean, financial misdeeds, obviously that's a given. Uh, but knowing how to manipulate through the media, because he knew it was going to be televised. And it's like a little, like, terrier type of, like, a cute little, you know, lap dog. It's a lap dog. And at one point he even says, like, and, and here's checkers and I'm not going to give them back, you know. And, and and by the time he was saying that, you're like on his side. You're like, yeah, don't give checkers back. Why would you give, you know. Um, so, yeah, manipulated through the media. So uh, 
He's the OG Trump. Nixon. Yeah, but at least he had a puppy, you know? <laughs> like, if Trump had just not talked and had a puppy, he would have got me. That's what people should do. That's don't don't say bad things. Just bring a dog. Well, that's it. That's that's the week. Wow, that's a lot of fun parts of history. Some things I didn't know. Uh, what was the highlight? Uh, don't say the earthquake. I really think it's just if you want to manipulate the public, bring a puppy. Thanks so much for joining, and we'll see you next week. 